Well, welcome to Leadership Conversations. I'm Karen Conley, and on behalf of Lead Like Jesus, we are so excited to have you along for this particular episode. And I have with me my new friend, Dave Burring. Dave, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you. It's my privilege. I'm glad I can hang with you today. Yeah, well, we were just having some conversation offline, and there is so much that we could talk about, but I want to introduce you to our Lead Like Jesus audience. Uh, Dave comes as the founder and president of LionShare. It's a nonprofit aimed at igniting and equipping churches and vocational leaders uh, in fulfilling the Great Commission. And tell us a little bit about that organization and its origins as we, as we jump into some really important conversations. Yes, thanks, Karen. So um, LionShare is, uh, it'll be 20 years old next year, and it really is kind of an overflow of a journey that I've had of being challenged since I was about 18 years of age of becoming a disciple maker. And so we often tease that, like when I'm speaking with various leaders, I'll say, look, I'm done making disciples. And they'll look at me a little cockeyed because they know that's something I'm not supposed to be done with. And I'll say, it's because we're supposed to be making disciple makers. In other words, we're to reproduce in people to the point that they reproduce in others. And I think that's often you know, where there can be swings and misses, we get done with something and then we don't actually help the person that we've discipled reproduce in others. And so what we do with LionShare is we spend a lot of time uh, coming alongside churches and helping there. We come alongside a lot of people who, who lead in the vocations in government, business, the arts, various areas, and help them do that same thing. We grow them spiritually help them look at that through the lens of the vocation God's called them to, and then challenge them to reproduce the same in others. And so along with that are resources to help people do that. Awesome. Well, that is um, such a need and such a fantastic opportunity. And obviously, one of the reasons that we were excited to have you join us on our podcast is because that's really our heart. It is um, being vocational in our discipleship making. And, and you are 100% right from my own journey in ministry and business that it's it's hard enough to make a disciple, but a lot of times you're right, that reproduction isn't happening. Um, you made a little bit of reference um, to, to your journey, um, and obviously you have made a life of trying to equip others to make disciples. Um, when in your personal journey did you see um, discipleship as, as a critical part of your, of your spiritual growth? Well, I'm one of those guys that am very grateful that I grew up in a home environment where mom was the 4.30 in the morning intercessor that would get up and intercede for her family and the nations. And my dad, I watched when I was 13, and dad would have been 39, leave business and go back to Bible college just simply because of obedience. And so I learned about God's presence and prayer, watching mom, learned about the importance of obeying from my dad. And then uh, graduating from high school, I jumped into seven years in Kona, Hawaii, which is not a bad place to be for seven years, uh, with an organization called Youth with a Mission, or YWAM for short. And while I was there, uh, my second or third full year, I was asked to travel with YWAM's founder, Lauren Cunningham, and just to kind of assist, you know, he'd be speaking at things, then I would be the brochure guy, you know, afterwards, back in the brochure days. And uh, on one of our flights from LA to DC, he asked me, 
Dave, what do you think your gifts are? And you know, at 20 years of age, you know, there's not a lot you always can feel st strong to stand upon. And so I, I told him what I thought. And then he said this to me, and it was kind of the trajectory change that I still at 61 today walk in. And he said this to me, he said, Dave, it doesn't matter how big the groups are that you will lead or the size of the groups that you will teach. Cause he was enforcing, you have some leadership and teaching gifts, but here's what he said that stuck. He said, the way that God will measure the fruitfulness of your life is have you inv invested to the third and fourth generation. And then he, he quoted to me 2 Timothy 2.2 2, that speaks about Paul, first generation, investing in Timothy second, faithful ones, and others. And for me, Karen, that was a, that was a trajectory changer for me. Mm -hmm. And so even today, some 40 years later, uh, it's my measuring point for fruitfulness. I, I might speak and or write or do something, and I appreciate people's kind words very, very much. Mm -hmm. But the measure of fruitfulness for me is, did I get that in them enough, A, that they'll live it, and B, that they can re reproduce it in others? Well, and, and you mentioned writing and speaking, and you are the author of at least two books, A Discipleship Journey, and then most recently, The Great Opportunity. Um, so this is not something, this is something that you have both practiced for a, a lifetime and written about. So tell us from your experience and your journey, what do you think right now are the greatest challenges facing leaders in making disciples? That's a great question. And I, it's one that I often reflect on because of dealing with leaders. I want to make sure that I'm hitting the mark. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and one of them is, um, which probably won't be a surprise to you is because many leaders have not been discipled. They don't understand it when I talk mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And so I can, I can modify things using a bit of a mentoring coaching language, mm -hmm. but I always, I always end that conversation too, Karen, saying there's a difference, you know, mentoring is the deliberate passing on of knowledge and skills, which is wonderful. It can be A to Z. Uh, I think, you know, when you talk about coaching, it's usually asking good questions to guide someone down a path that they can discover something. Mm -hmm. Disciple making is making sure that what you're passing on is, is tethered to the truth in scripture. It, mm -hmm. it, it's wired to God's character and his ways. And by God's character, I mean who he is, his ways, how he does things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference. And so, you know, I, I think helping them catch that and realize that as a leader, you have this really unique window of influence mm -hmm. that can go beyond uh, the vision of your company into the, the personal lives of people. So that's one. The second one that I would tag team with it and come up right behind it is the health of the leader themselves. Mm -hmm. And I often find that leaders don't pause because they're usually blowing and going, you know, they're, they're just going through life fast, carrying a lot of responsibilities that they don't pause to see how their own soul is doing. And so at our leadership journey, uh, which is a six month leadership discipleship thing we do each year, the first question I ask at our launch retreat is, if you were the devil, how would you take you out? And it causes, them, it causes them to pause, to look at their own lives. And if we're honest, usually within 15 to 30 seconds, we could list the two or three things that are the places where the enemy of our soul would come to try to buckle our knees, you know? And so I think oftentimes because there's not vision for it, 
And because they have never had it, there's not a reference point there for them to run on. Mm. Wow. I, I hope that, uh, I don't know if people are running on the treadmill or driving while they're listening or watching this, but I love the way that you just differentiated mentoring, coaching, discipleship, because I think all of us that walk in this space, um, yeah. th those terms are all important. They're all distinct, yeah. but sometimes get all muddled together. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think especially, um, and maybe you can elaborate more because you're you're walking in to um, meet with individuals that are in the marketplace yeah. um, that all have a different um, maybe scope that they're allowed to you know how much are they allowed to share that's tethered right. to Christ versus a more coaching asking questions mentoring passing on information what do you give us some examples of maybe how you have helped some of the leaders that you are working with um, know how to nuance that in the culture that we live in in their workplace yeah that's a great question and it's one that you know we need to have god's wisdom on isn't it and um so um i think if the person it, that i'm walking alongside is is not a believer you know, I can still communicate the principles to them without having to ground it. But in my, in my life, in my own heart, as I'm giving it to them, I know where it's grounded. Mm -hmm. Because for me, and probably like for you, Karen, there's a difference between a great idea, a suggestion, and even somebody's own experience versus saying, no, that's rooted in scripture. Yeah. So for example, I think of a, a, a friend of mine named Bruce, and in his case, he, um, he led a top 10 uh, team in the country within his company, and he, had to, he got the word from um, up above that he needed to let two of his 14 employees go, a little bit of a cutback. And he came to me and he said, how do I do this? Like, and I said, well, are any of them, they're just not performing as well as they're supposed to, or their characters are in, impacting the team? And he said, no, all good. And this guy happened to be a believer. And so I was able to talk to him about it. I said, let me tell you, Romans 12, 10 says this, outdo one another in showing honor. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, right, that most of the time, like once you make the decision on this, that there's going to be a pink slip that is left on their desk and it's be out by noon. And, and, and there's a completely void of honor. I said, have these people contributed? He said, oh, they've contributed huge. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, let's talk about this. And again, because he was already a believer, I could go there. If he wasn't a believer, I would have still drilled home on the same principle. I just wouldn't have told him maybe, hey, here's the passage and here's the understand. I would just say, so let's look at how can you honor them. And he did a great job. He mm -hmm. gathered them, Karen, as a team, mm -hmm. announced to the team that the two of them were going to be done in the next couple of weeks. And so what I'd like you to do is I'd like each of you to take a moment and in front of everybody here, tell them the value that they brought to your life and to our team. And he wow. just, they had them affirm them. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, and then he privately affirmed them. And he also said, hey, I'll write you a great letter here. So anytime you need it or more copies you need, mm -hmm. here's some severance out the door. And the person left saying, wow, I, 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 I hate that I'm losing my job, but I can't believe the kindness in the way that you've treated me. And it left a thumb mark that validated this guy's own walk with Jesus and that guy's life without having to bring up Jesus or I love Jesus t-shirt that day. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dave, that's fantastic. I know you you have lots of stories, and even in looking at at your book, the great opportunity um, that that your life has been full of some of those examples. And I think people learn best by stories. So yeah. so as you're as you're talking about that, I think wow, for every leader right now, we're in a season in our culture where layoffs are, are, are very possible and, and people are having to make hard decisions, but to do it in an honorable way. What would be some of the other things that, um, that you would maybe give some illustration of practical ways that, that people that are listening to this, that want to begin a culture of, of discipleship in their, in their business, and maybe they haven't done that yet, where do they start? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, when we talk about, we use the word a lot, Karen, vocation, and and that being a sense of a combination of, yes, your job, your profession, your work, but there's the thing that makes vocation a little bit different is there's a, there's an edge of the addition of calling and recognizing that God has appointed you to this place. Mm -hmm. And because God has appointed you to government or media or education, business, you know, whatever the case may be, you can walk in a humble authority that Mm -hmm. there's a role for you in advancing God's kingdom in that place. Mm -hmm. And again, we know that's not the, as I tease, the I love Jesus t-shirt and the standing on your desk and preaching. It's not that. It's very much the idea of first relating really well. Like Mm -hmm. one of the things we often say is Jesus was the best relator that ever walked the earth. Mm -hmm. And his followers should be the best relators that live on the earth. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes where where I see um, challenges is is because we have not related to those well that we're leading, Mm -hmm. they oftentimes just look at us as a paycheck. Mm-hmm. They don't really look at us as somebody whose voice could have a significant influence, not only in our jobs, but in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I find the, the way that we create that is by really relating well to our employees. And it doesn't mean we have to be their best buddies. I get it. Many business leaders are very, very busy. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that when you are with them, you're fully present. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you remind them of things that you know about them. So, for example, if someone you know, you heard that their mother was ill and was in the hospital for an extended time. The next time you see them, it might just be the hand on the shoulder and saying, hey, how's your mom? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just being fully present, but also being aware of the people that are working with you. And again, not seeing it as working for you, but working with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really significant because I find uh, like speaking really practically on this, Karen, let's just say that CEO has been, you know, working his or her tail off to get a, a project done on a deadline. And, and it's the end of the day, it's five o'clock and employees are walking out the door. And maybe in this smaller business, the CEO's office is, is right near the door. If they just view you as their paycheck, they may not even acknowledge you as they're heading out the door. Mm-hmm. If they view that they have a relationship with you, which means they have a vested interest in you as well as the company, they're going to set their briefcase down or their backpack and they're going to look at the boss and say, aren't you heading home? No, I still got some work to do. What can I do to help? Mm-hmm. Because it's a relationship. It's a heart link. 
It's not just a task and it's not just a paycheck. And I think that's a great starting point for leaders in business and the vocations to begin with is relating well to those around you. All right, Dave, I'm going to throw a harder one at you. Um, because this is this is the reality of I feel like so many people um, you talked about the two biggest problems is that um, people haven't been discipled. So you're you're asking them to do something that they have never actually experienced themselves. And and having run a women's ministry and started a discipleship program, yeah. I had that very same issue of I'm I'm asking them to to take my word for it that this will work and having coaches for them. Also, you have that dynamic, yeah. and then the second one you said that that leaders themselves are not healthy. Yeah. So you, you walk those two things together, but you have people like leaders like myself and others that, man, they, they want to be Christ in the workplace. Um, but like you said, so busy. And then you hear these things of, okay, I need to relate. Well, I need to do all these things. What would you say to that leader right now that maybe they're not doing those things? They need to, those are so good, like such gold you just gave us for practical first steps. Relate, be aware, just engage. You don't have to be a best friend, but be be present. Yeah. Um, but if them themselves are just like, I'm, a, I'm on the edge of burnout, I'm trying to just keep my life going, what what do you say to that leader? Where do you start that, that, that has their feet in both situations? I got to yeah. learn how to take care of myself, but I need to do a better job with my team. What What is your best advice in that scenario? Yeah, yeah that's a great question, Karen. I'm sure you could give us some great wisdom on that too. I, again, I'll, I'll go, I'll try to hit both of those, okay? Yeah. So the first one is, I, I think in humility as a godly leader, which is supposed to be a trait in us, we need to be able to acknowledge I'm in a place where I need some help. I need some, again, whether it's disciple making or someone, or sometimes it's just pastoral care, you know, mm -hmm. or sometimes it's a timeout and I need, I need to be able to just unplug. And there's a few things here because, you know, it, it really is true that what's going on inside of us sooner or later, it comes out. And, and, and today in particular that we're living because of the big squeeze we all feel what's really inside you when squeezed comes out. No matter how much we try to mask it, when tension comes, what's really inside comes out. And so I would encourage that leader to find uh, resources, organizations, opportunities to be more developed in those areas of their own life. And, and then the other piece of it is I always feel bad when we have these kinds of conversations because that kind of quality leader that's really busy, they, these can feel like things that pile on top of the pile. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so one of the things that has to be done on this is again, when you have the space, it's stepping away and, and see what we are willing to adjust our worlds around is on what we value. In other words, what's really important to us. Mm -hmm. And so I, I try not to pile on, but instead I like to have conversations to help people discover, or maybe in some cases rediscover the value of their place where God's appointed them and the value of what it means to pass the things God's taught you into the life of another and how the legacy of that can last beyond your generation to generations to come. And so I often find, so, so speaking to those who would be watching this today, if you're going, 
I get it. I know I'm supposed to be doing that. You know, don't get heavied out. But I would encourage you to pause and to ask the Lord, would you give me fresh vision, fresh perspective that allows, because then you can say, I'm moving these things in my schedule and I'm taking this piece and I'm just getting rid of it. And now I got a, I got a window here mm-hmm. by which I can give myself to things that have eternal significance. I love that. I love that. That's great. Um, In your new book, The Great Opportunity, um, you are giving us such great um, wisdom on how to really go and fulfill the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us from your experience, I mean, how do you, how have you seen vocational discipleship making, really making an impact in the kingdom? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we, again, it just kind of slides by us in the midst of, um, you know, trying to keep the business alive while tending my spouse, while walking the dog and getting the bills paid on time. Life can just be like this, and it's just blowing past us. And and this is that pause that I was just speaking to you about to say, okay, I need to rediscover, you know, the value here as it relates to doing this. And you know, when, when we think about disciple making and the Great Commission, I, I like to play with the word, Karen, and, and when I play with that word, instead of commission, I like to spell it different, capital C-O dash, capital M, mission. Yeah. In other words, to remind me and to remind us that Jesus, like the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the lover of our soul, the one who can change people, families, and societies, has invited us to co mission with him. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to look at it through the lens of, okay, so God, you've invited me and you've appointed me to a place in society. And, you know, and then it's, it's becoming intentional. And like, here's a real practical thing. Uh, and it's in the, it's in the book and fleshed out more, but as a starting point, I have a friend of mine by the name of David. And years ago, he asked me this question. It's now my lead question. I ask people and they say, how do I know where to start or who should I disciple? So catch this one. He said to me, Dave, in whose ears are your words big? Hmm. Let me me say that again. In Hmm. whose ears are your words big? In other words, when you say something, not only do they listen, but they do it and they often come back for more. And here's the thing about that, Karen, that I think is really important when, because, you know, so we have people like that in our lives and don't we all have people we wish our words were big in their ears, <laughs> but we got to trust the Lord with, with other people on that. But for those that, that our words are big in their ears, it, we have to see it not just as a relational thing. Well, I don't really like them. Mm-hmm. We have to recognize it's the Holy Spirit doing this saying, do you see I've given you favor in their life? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a starting point. Doesn't mean you should go running off discipling them, but I, I like to build a pool. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I start my pool as I start it with, okay, where in, in whose ears are my words big? Mm-hmm. And I begin it with, with that place. And then once I have those people in there, I like to, I like to run through an acronym that just my mind, it's easy for me to re- remember is, is fast. And it just stands for this, F is faithful. Like, mm-hmm. like if I started meeting with this person, would they be faithful or would they be flaky? Mm-hmm. Because, because there's a difference in a disciple-making role when, when Jesus you know, asked the, the rich young ruler to walk with him, he said, sell everything, 
give it away, come follow me. And as you remember, the, the man turned away, kind of head down, I imagine, walking away. Jesus didn't chase him down. Dude, I'm just kidding. Give half. We'll call it good. Give me a little time. He didn't do that. He kept the bar there. And disciple making is differently than friendship or pastoring. It keeps the bar there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ask, are you going to be faithful? I ask, are you going to be available? Which to me means they're actually putting it on their calendar. They're prioritizing it. Mm-hmm. The S is, are, do they have an attitude of being servant hearted? Mm-hmm. That what I give them, they're going to be willing not only to do to serve others, but maybe pass on to others. And the T is teachable. Like mm-hmm. none of us like to pour into somebody. I know that, you know, it's like there's a humble, teachable attitude. So I start with my pool. My words are big in these people's ears by the grace of God in his favor. Then I start whittling it down by, okay, who are people that are fast? Mm -hmm. And then oftentimes what I'll do is I'll pull them together, whether in a Zoom call or if they're here where I live face-to-face. And the last thing that I often ask them while praying through this whole process, of course, to help for discernment, is I'll look at them each individually in the eye and I'll ask this question are you willing to match my commitment? Because I will be there. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and it's the reality check for people. And I give lots of grace. If this is not the year, if you can't do it, it's all okay. But let's agree to this on the front end. Yeah. And so um, when, I, when I was discipling some young African-American men who were leaders in different kinds of societal areas, we were going to meet at 5.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. my time. 6.30, their East Coast time. And I looked at them and I said, on Zoom, are you willing to match my commitment? Because I will be here. And I said, I don't, need a, I don't need to use Zoom as a mirror to see how I look today. I have those in my home. So I don't want to be sitting here looking at myself. Yeah. Are you going to match my commitment? And, it, and, and that causes there to be a bar because as a leader, you don't need to be chasing people. Mm-hmm. you know okay the three are here but the other two they never show up just give i'm a three strikes and you're out not relationally but in disciple making mm-hmm. i remind them a couple times but if but if a third time happens i realize and i go to them and i've had to do this karen say i love you i'm with you i'm so glad you're in my life but i can see you're not in a season where you're able to do this when you're ready come back anytime and we'll go again so mm-hmm. it's gracious it's kind but I got to focus on those three little birdies whose mouths are wide open and want to grow. Awesome. Dave, you have been a wealth of, of great practical uh, God centered information. So I, everything that you've said, um, my own discipleship experience, I remember, you know, if you're working harder than they are, it's probably not good fit. Like all those things that you just said it in such a, a fantastic, um, easy way. Um, if people want to learn more about um, LionShare, the resources that you have, um, you yeah. mentioned this six-month program. Yeah. What's the best way for people to learn more about what, what Dave Burring's doing these days? Yeah. So if you go to lionshare.org, you'll see these things there. You, you'll run into our, uh, we have a podcast that's called Wisdom Unlocked, The Ways of God. And we share core things that re- as it relates to a leader's life, as well as how to handle and do some of these things that we've been talking about. Um, you can get the new book there called The Great Opportunity. It's subtitled uh, Making Disciples of Jesus in Every Vocation. So it's very practical there. And then the last thing is a leadership journey is a six month. We do it every January to June. 
six-month leadership discipleship track that it's pretty high in commitment, Karen. I ask for five hours a week for people to watch, read, and listen to stuff. Every other week, we do a Zoom call and process things as societal leaders. And so they can learn more about a leadership journey there as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming. And I know Lead Like Jesus is just so grateful for the work that you're doing and for coming and being a part of our podcast. And if you want more information, please check out Lionshare. And also for all the resources that Lead Like Jesus has, please go and check out leadlikejesus.com. And we'll see you next time.